and we are off and running on a Saturday. Good morning to everybody. Welcome to the Krug Show, brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Corte Madera and Emeryville. They're open seven days a week from uh, from uh, from 11, 10 a.m. to or 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Check them out, Pig and a Pickle the best barbecue you're going to find. We're also brought to you by Marin Autoglass, 415-883-3030, marinautoglass.com on the web. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Check the link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, and they will, uh, K-R-U-E-G, and they'll match you up to your first $100. The coach in the house Saturday morning in our regular time slot, 914 on the West Coast. That means it's 14 minutes afternoon back east. Coach, how are you? What up, Larry? It's NFC Championship Week, baby. Feeling we have good, waited man. all year. Oh, feeling great. Hey, there's only four teams left playing national football on planet Earth, and we are one of them. Don't you just feel good? Don't you feel good? Oh, I feel great. Are you kidding me? I feel great. Uh, the sun's out. Uh, the weather's going to be good tomorrow. I think Brock Purdy's going to bounce back in a huge, huge way, and mm-hmm. I feel good. I feel good about where the Niners are at. Um, how are you feeling about it? I feel good. I feel good. Uh, I feel good about how we beat the Packers because it refocuses them. At this stage of the game, when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, you need motivation. You really do. You need reasons to play hard. You need You need actual time on task, what happened on the field. And I feel like we're going to go through the game. There's a lot that we left on the cutting room floor. And they more, they have more than enough motivation and uh, material, quite honestly, to uh, get better from their last game and to attack Detroit. So uh, I think that they are in a position right now where they can't really focus too much on the Green Bay game because they won. Right. This is win or go home. All right. So you can you can kind of treat this game with more of an in-season feel where you want to learn from your mistakes and go through lessons learned and have action reviews. But to be quite honest with you, developmental time is over. All right. And there are certain things about that game that you're just going to have to live with and push on because we're we're living by the seat of our pants. This is a one off. So. Some of the some of the some of the vulnerabilities that got uh, discovered against Green Bay, we're just not going to see that anymore for the rest of the year. Green Bay's gone. We got a new opponent, and now this team doesn't have a mobile quarterback that runs around. This team doesn't have good corners. This team is young, so it's it's almost kind of like we got to pay attention to the game, but we have to move on, right? Because if we don't get the guys that are in front of us worried about the guys that are behind us, we'll be sitting on the side watching the guys playing on the Super Bowl. So that's where I stand right now, man. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel really good. I I, I feel good because I think that um, the Niners can can do damage against Goff because he doesn't have that mobility. They can right. get in his face. They can pressure him in the A-gap. They, they can do a good job inside. I also think that there'll be some... You know, Detroit may play with some nerves, even though um, they've played without nerves, I think, up to this point. But the winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl. And I think that 
you know, the, the experience factor and the home field edge will, will matter for the 49ers. I'll tell you two couple things uh, jumped out in the last day. One, last night I got a chance to watch some of the um, some of the the shows that they do around the Niners here, um, and one of them had an extensive live mic on Fred Warner last week during the Green Bay game, in the pregame, uh, throughout the game, you know, in the postgame. I mean, it was it was really really the Niners themselves did it it wasn't um you know it wasn't a network or whatever it was the niners themselves their internal their internal niner productions team and they put mm-hmm. one i just wanted to say to the niners awesome job i mean amazing job i would encourage everybody to go watch this because let's be honest guys like you and me we have been all up in the niners for the entire you know since minicamp so mm-hmm. there's not a lot that can be written that is going to be like wow that's new ground. You know, I, yeah, that's that really changes my perspective. Yeah, uh, you know, Nick Wagner framed it just so, or you know, Dave Lombardi or Matt Barrows or Matt Mayoko. They had this phrase that made no. Um, I'm not getting a lot out of those guys right now. Not that they're not great; they are great, but I'm not getting anything that I'm not that I don't already have. But when you get the live mic and you can hear Fred Warner talking up the dbs and you can hear him between series comments that he makes and the live mic and you know it does bring the whole thing to life and i one it makes me think god man this is so the future of the nfl is you know right now they they don't want to do it they just want to do it on a taped type situation and maybe that will always be the case but when someday we're going to be able to hear all everything the dialogue, the back and forth, the bitching and moaning, the fighting, the swearing, the ref talk, the coach talk. Someday we're going to be all access ear wise and hear this like in a broadcast and it's just going to open things up. But it really was it, it was a reminder to me of how much Warner is such a key guy for the Niners as far as talking to guys between series, telling them, hey, you know what? Guys, look, we just have to really zone in on this play. And this last game, he was, you know, he was really talking up the D-line, the secondary, the linebackers. I mean, just he was just such a force. So it was really interesting to hear. That was one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other time, the other thing is there's a what a friend of mine who writes for Niners Wire. Okay. Kyle Madsen is his name. And I would encourage all you guys to either follow him on Twitter or go to Niners Wire and read his stuff um it's really really good he's got and i thought we could have some fun with this this morning three reasons for optimism for the 49ers and three reasons to be very concerned in this game about the four about this matchup Mm -hmm. so three causes for concern and three reasons for optimism so i thought we could go through them why don't we start with optimism Okay. Um, because uh, you know, let's be optimistic first, and then we'll paint the. Then we'll after people are tired of us being optimistic, we'll throw in some, some. This is what could happen. But um, he, you know, he writes this article, and it's really, really good. And he says, mm-hmm. you know, the Niners have lots of reasons to be optimistic. You know, they're they're heavily favored. They've got the better roster. They had the better season. They've mm-hmm. been in this situation twice in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably their best chance to win an NFC title game since uh, they hosted Green Bay in, 
in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the points that he makes, he says it's been rare that Brock Purdy has two really bad games in a row. Right. And he said the last time he had a quarterback rating of 86.7 or, or lower, he backed it up with a, the next game with a 124.7 rating. The right. time before that, he backed it up with a 148.8 rating. The mm-hmm. time before that, he backed it up with a 94.2 rating. His only consecutive really tough games of the year were week six and seven when he posted QB ratings of 55.3 and 81.5. Um, not that quarterback rating is is the end-all, be-all. But, um, but, you know, it is interesting. He was – Purdy was not very good last week against Green Bay. Uh, to me, I asked him about it directly, and I felt like it's weird. It's like I feel felt like I got the most out of him this week on this front. I asked him. I said, "You know, you clearly struggled, and then you and then you bounced back. What was it uh, mm-hmm. that that made you struggle?" And he said, "You know what? Um, after I threw the first near pick six to Savage, I got a little tentative." Was the word he used. Mm-hmm. I got a little tentative and I wasn't as good going to my checkdowns. And then Mike Silver followed up a couple questions later as Mike is, a, you know, really, really good reporter and said, when you say ten, you were, you didn't get to your checkdowns, do you mean that you were getting to your checkdowns too late? And he's like, yeah, exactly. I was getting to my checkdowns too late. I wasn't, I wasn't going through the progressions fast enough and I wasn't making decisions fast enough. And that's what it looked like, Coach. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. it looked like he got a little tentative and his footwork kind of stopped. And he, when he did go to his checkdowns, he went to them kind of late and the timing wasn't quite there. And how much of it was due to Green Bay, how much of it was due to rust, and how much of it was due to the weather, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, you got dry weather in the forecast. You got a Lions pass D that's ranked 27th in yards and 27th in passing touchdowns allowed. Um, I think he's going to, and, and you got two really challenged young corners in Detroit. They're not what Green Bay has, as you stated before. And I, I just really feel like the big, the biggest factor this game in this game is can and will Brock Purdy continue to play the way he played last week. Or will he bounce back in a big way? And if he does bounce back in a big way, I don't think the 49ers are going to lose. And I think the history, you know, as Madsen writes here, kind of indicates that it's pretty likely that he's going to bounce back big. And I, to me, that is my number one cause for optimism. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, he doesn't. He This is one of the things that I like. I like about all players is one of the outliers of knowing that you got a guy that can play is that his best rep is after his worst rep, right? And that's one of the things that you always look for. You look for a guy who doesn't lose confidence that bounces back because mistakes will happen, right? Things will go awry. And this is a whole different outset of how football is played. This is the playoffs, okay? You're going to get guys that are specifically state, specifically schemed to stop you, right? You don't necessarily see this type of attention week to week during the season because you're too worried about the next guy and the injuries and how we're going to circle the wagons to protect our season. And we may not necessarily want to attack what you do and try to get out of here. So Brock had a shaky game. All right. But at the end of the day, 
He pulled it together when it counted with that drive. All right. He should have went 100 percent for the drive if it wasn't for a George Kittle drop. And he handled business in order to got and he handled business also not necessarily with his arms, but with his legs. One of the things that I do love about Brock that I see um, and I keep talking about, if he's going to be our guy, you got to scout him with anticipation. Right. You got to look at what he's going to be, what you think he's going to be. And really, when I hear about a quarterback who's getting late to his checkdowns, it means that he's pressing on his primary and his secondary reads. Right. And you're only late in a progress. You're only late in a progression is when you're spending too much time on one or two reads. And I feel as though that when Brock throws picks, there are times where he really wants to survey that field and understand what happened in that area of the field, specifically when he wants to strike again. Case in point. Some of his best throws were in the same area of the field where he almost threw that pick six in the beginning of the game, right? He's still going to go back. He's still going to throw those. He's still going to throw those passes. And that's what you need. Uh, I do believe that um, we played against a team that was a little bit tailor-made for us in that they know what we do because they do what we do in Green Bay, right? They themselves are have gone through an entire training camp getting together a young quarterback who who goes through this entire this same exact offense. So in a way, we almost played our cousins. So there is a huge level of familiarity that we're going to get out of Green Bay that we're just not going to see for the rest of the playoffs, right? I, again, this is the playoffs. This is a one-off. Every game is a one-game season, right? So I understand that we've had this entire muscle where we've looked at Brock from a week-to-week basis because we've been doing it for four months. Right. We've been doing it for 17 weeks, but that's just not the playoffs. Right. You got to run with what you brung with. And Brock getting us through Green Bay is good enough. That's what he's here for. Right. Our biggest thing is to make sure that we get the run game going and make sure that we stick to our identity. So if and when Brock does have another uh, another opportunity where he may throw a pick or throw a would be pick and we may be a little off in the passing game. What are we going to do from a team standpoint to corral that? It just can't be Brock by himself trying to get himself out of the slump, all right? One of the things that I've kind of looked at, if you look at the, the, the thumbnail for this for this show, is pound the rock, all right? Pound the rock, all right? That's how we're going to get our Super Bowl. You can't have the leading rusher in the NFL on the field when you're actively trying to get out of, a, to get out of the mire with your second with your second-year quarterback. All right. So do you go strength on a strength though? Because <clears throat> Detroit is allowing 3.3 yards per carry on first down. It's the number one run D in the NFL on first down. Do you try to run McCaffrey on first down against, you know, what should be the, or what is statistically the best run D? Well, this is what I, this is my philosophy. We have the number one rusher in the NFL. Yeah, that's got to count for something. All right. And our identity is that we run the football. We are ground. We are a ground and pound team. OK. And Brock is at his most advantageous when that run game is working because the play action game is working as well. So for me, uh, this is I know this is a conversation that we're probably going to get into, but uh, it's been brought up that Kyle is coaching a little timid. All right. He's not coaching as he's not he's not coaching as uh, aggressive as he could be. And, you know, one of the things that I, I've noticed is that there's not as many explosives since the Ravens loss. Right. 
he has been kind of coaching us and calling play calling offense a little gun shy. He did call uh, 39 pass plays though in the rain. So is that timid or is that stupid? Because I mean, I, they, yeah, they, I just, Green, Bay, Green Bay's um, run D was 28th in the league and they threw it 39 times and passed it or ran it 24. Yeah. I, I think we should have ran the ball much more. I do too. Um, uh, and, and we got the, we got the stable to do it. I mean, what are we doing, man? We got two more games left in the season. Are we really just going to look at Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell as glorified backups? I mean, there's I gotta be, I, a, it doesn't seem like he believes in them or doesn't want, I mean, especially Mason. Um, I asked McCaffrey, I said, you had 17 rushes last week. How many is ideal? And he's like, it's not the number. It's he's like, I can go with more. I can go with less. So he didn't want to. He didn't want to jump in on that, but I want to see him get 20 rushes. All right. So this is what this is. This is the conversation that I want to have with you, because I feel as though that, you know, I'll have a sympathetic ear. When you have the number one rusher in the NFL, that signifies that we are aggressive with the run game. That's supposed to be a weapon. Right. And traditionally, Larry, you know, in football, when you have the guy everybody there's going to be times in the game where everybody knows who's getting the ball and you just can't do anything about it because we got the number one rusher in the NFL. And for me, I mean, I just, I don't understand the dynamic with Christian McCaffrey at times, right? There's this, there's this narrative around him that he always wants his reps, right? That he does not let anybody else on the field and he plays Literally, if you has to get pulled off the field, granted, cool, you deserve that. All right. But where I get a little confused is if you can do that to your teammates and keep them on ice the whole game because you want literally every rep, then where is that same attitude when you guys are passing the ball going five wide on the field and you are the leading rusher in the NFL and you can't walk to Kyle and say, yo, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let's run. When's the last time we seen Christian McCaffrey run the ball, get up and look at the sideline and say, hey, run it again. Run it again. Give me the ball. I'm hot. Give me not. No, not what you feel, Kyle. I'm hot. I'm on the field. You're on the sideline. Give me the ball. When are we when when are we ever seen an element of that in our game plan? You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm a little confused, where. I understand that you want all the reps. I get it. But how many good reps are you on the field? Right? How many meaningful reps are you on the field? And, I, you know, for me, that's why I'm a little perplexed about us being a running football team. I feel like we choose when we want to run and how we want to run in order to stay inside of a scheme. But sometimes I feel like we kind of miss the forest through the trees getting into a scheme and it's like i think we should be running right here i know you guys want to set something up but uh we're kind of hot right now we need to just be running the ball right now uh you know he, you know what it is and it's funny because i've heard kyle talk so much this year that i feel like i'm <clears throat> i can read his mail at this point mm -hmm. he he talks a lot about balance he likes balance so i'm with you i'm totally with you you run the ball successfully a couple times, run it fucking again. Yes. But his thing is, hey, you know what? Let's now mix in a pass. 
You know what I mean? Because he's thinking balance all yeah. the time. And I'm thinking kind of like the way Harbaugh used to think is we've got this team down. They can't stop the run. Why take a chance putting the ball in the air, run it down their th- their throat? Um, and yet, you know, where was the Kyle Butthead says, um, I want the 200-yard game from CMC like Mostert did back in the 2019 playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's lots of different ways to win this game. There's lots of different ways to lose this game. You know, if if you can win it running the hell out of it, running it, I don't know, 45 times and throwing it 18 times, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The one thing that stands out about Detroit is their, those weapons, that offense is fairly complete. Goff's playing well. Uh, the running back t- combo is really good. The yeah. tight end is that's the great young tight end in the game. The yeah. receiver is a true he's number next. one receiver. And then Jamison Williams, I mean, you're an Alabama guy. He's as fast as any wide receiver there is. So they've got mm-hmm. a field stretcher. They've got an Amon Raw monster chain mover. They may have the best young receiving tight end in the game in Laporta. Mm-hmm. They've got the one of the best re- uh, receiving running backs I've ever seen. To me, Jameer Gibbs reminds me of Ricky Waters as a mm-hmm. receiver. and That's my favorite running back. And and then, yeah, exactly. I loved him. I, I had him on my fantasy team. I'm a big believer. Um, and then you got, you know, Montgomery's a horse, uh, 220 pounds on a 5'10 frame. And then you've got Goff having a good year behind a great offensive line. So their offense is pretty freaking complete. And if I'm the Niners, I wouldn't mind playing ball control, complimentary ball, and keeping that offense's possessions way, way, way down. Because if the Niners' defense can keep their possessions down, I think they're going to be able to play with more energy. If they can play with more energy, they're going to get more stops. I think a lot of the the, the key in this game is dominate the time of possession on your end by running the ball, even though Detroit uh, can't stop the pass. If the Niners start to run it with success, how do you? What do you do if you're Detroit? You have you've got a pass a ta- pass pass defense that really can't stand up. You know the passes are coming at some point, but you're going to have to commit to the run. So, to me, if the Niners have success running it, especially after Dan Campbell's been talking all week about stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. If they can't stop the Niner run, they're in trouble. So yeah. I, I I would I would give them a heavy dose of the run. The question is. Do you run it on first down or do you pass on first down to set up a second down run? I mean, for me, I, I, I run on first down. I mean, the, the first down you set, you set your, you set your narrative on what you want to do. I run on first down. I mean, Tampa Bay ran on these boys, you know, I, I, you know, I watched good reps on the ground against, against these guys with Tampa Bay, man, you know, we we watched Baltimore. Baltimore, they they played against the Houston Texans. That's the number two rush defense in the league, man. D'Amico's got them boys playing good. They ran all over them. They ran all over them. They went strength on strength. They didn't avoid it, right? And that's the thing. I don't want us to avoid avoid a certain element of the game just because they're quote unquote good at it. Well, we're supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. This is what it's for. This is when you pull it all out. Pause. You know what I'm saying? But you got to handle your business. I, I really do believe that having a concerted effort on the ground um, 
with multiple guys is going to really help us. You know, Debo on the ground as well. You know, I'm not even trying to say be stale. You know, there's different ways that you can get to it. You know, I'm not trying to say have a traditional, you know, I'm not going to be sitting here crying if I don't see 12 personnel on, on down one drive one, you know. But at the same time, there does need to be a narrative set that, hey, you boys are going to have to cover the line of scrimmage before you do anything. Before you call yourself dropping into your zone, trying to get at Brock Purdy, you guys are going to have to cover the line of scrimmage. That's going to protect Brock. Right. But those people that are saying, oh, well, you know, running the ball is going to take the ball out of Brock's hands. Well, we want to be able to have Brock be able to have a natural picture of the field when he starts throwing the ball. And we got to start that in running the ball first. I don't want to start going sideline to sideline. Let's get downhill. Figure out what he can do with these guys straight up. That's what I want to see, Larry. All right. Optimism. Reason number two, according to Madsen, Jared Goff. Now, this is an interesting one. He says it should be stated here that Goff had a good year, right? He had a really good year, 67%, 4,500-plus yards, 30 touchdowns, 12 picks. But most of his success came inside in the Dome. He's not been nearly as good on the road or outside the Dome. At home, he completes 70%, 19 touchdowns, 6 picks, 8.1 yards per attempt. On the road, he completes 64.8%. 11 touchdowns, six picks, 7.1 yards per attempt. And then the numbers are even more stark when he goes outdoors. And they haven't they haven't gone outdoors in like a month and a half. In a dome this year, he set um he sat at a 70.2 completion percentage rate, 24 touchdowns, six picks, 8.1 yards per attempt in 11 games. They only played five games outdoors all year. He completed 63%, five touchdowns, four picks, 6.1 yards per attempt. So, I mean, 24 touchdowns and six picks in the dome, outside five touchdowns, four picks. Mm. So, I mean, you know, the 49er pass defense led the NFL this year in interceptions. Um, if they can Three get of those picks came in Chicago yeah, uh, outdoors. Get some pressure, yeah. And if you can get some pressure on golf, um, I think you're going to get picks. Um, and I, I think Ambry Thomas is going to bounce back with a big game. I think he's going to get a pick. So I, I kind of feel good about, you know, and, and Fred Warner, it's funny, Fred Warner was asked this week, hey, Fred, you guys have the experience and they don't. How much of a factor is experience? And he kind of pushed back and said, it's not the experience factor that's our advantage. Our advantage is that we're at home playing in front of the faithful uh, on our surface with our fans and our atmosphere. He's like, teams don't like to go on the road and, and do it. Uh, and golf's a good example. I mean, games outdoors, he's not nearly as good a quarterback. So I think you pressure pressure him in the A-gap. Uh, Ragnow's not 100%. They've got Kyote Awasika, I believe, standing in for Jonah Jackson at left guard. Um, and Ragnow, I think, only practiced one day. Maybe he didn't practice at all. I, he definitely didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so I, I love Hargrave inside pressuring Goff or the Niners blitzing through the A-gaps and, and pressuring Goff, making him move laterally. And I think if you make him move laterally outside, He'll throw you picks, and I I I think it's a major advantage for the Niners there. What do you think? 
Yeah, I do think that Jared Goff is a mark. Um, we we do fair, we do very good against quarterbacks that necessarily don't have athleticism, and that's what I'm looking for our defense to do. We got to bounce back. I mean, let's talk about it. Chase Young did not have a good game last week. All right, he struggled. We need to see an uptick from Chase Young in the run game, particularly, and in pass rushing, and being able to stay inside of his pass rush lanes and hold contain uh, in, in the width of the pocket. Um, right now, we're also looking for a big game to, uh, for a big game to come from uh, uh, Javon Hargrave. He's looking at a backup guard. All right, they're missing they're missing their All Pro uh, left guard this uh, this game, and they're coming in with the backup in Iwasika. That's going to be a big matchup that I'm looking forward to be able to get at Jared Goff. Now, their offensive line is good. Okay, uh, they got Rag now. He's coming off some injuries, but he was full go. Uh, he's full. He practiced full go uh, this past week. Um, they've got uh, uh, why am I Panay Sewell at right tackle? All right, and these boys are a good offensive line. So it's going to be good to see. Um, it's going to be good to see the pass rush go against a quarterback that's going to stay still. All right. Now I'm more concerned with stopping, stopping the run since we're, you know, it seems like the theme of the show is the run game. Stopping the run on our defense is going to be the biggest thing that we need to do for these guys, because they got 2000 yard rushers. All right. Jameer Gibbs just missed a thousand yards. He's at like nine sixty something, but that's big in today's NFL for you to have two rushers that are close to a thousand yards. All right. Yep. So, yep. That shows that Jared Goff goes as that run game goes. All right. So Jared Goff is not have, he's not going to sit back and see a full, a good picture unless we're able to corral the line of scrimmage up front. And that's one of the biggest things that I'm going to be looking for with Jared Goff. It's not when he just drops back traditionally. We're going to get those shots, right? We're going to get that pressure. But it's when Jared Goff goes and play action. Right. When Jared Goff is moving the pocket, when they start getting him out on boot action, those are the times where Jared Goff, that can't happen. If Jared Goff is moving the pocket and running out of the pocket and we're still not getting to him and he's getting comfortable in play action because the run game isn't being stopped. That's when Jared Goff becomes more of a problem for us. Right. So my biggest thing for to uh, from our defense is to stop that run game, control that line of scrimmage. And I feel like the sacks will come because this offensive line. With Decker in the left tackle spot, that's probably going to be uh, Nick Bosa over there on Decker. We're probably going to see Chase Young on Panay Sewell, right? They always make sure that they put Nick Nick on the most favorable matchup. And that's going to be a big thing for us on that other side, right? Randy Gregory, Nick, I mean, and Chase Young over Panay Sewell and how they get that done to be able to pressure the quarterback. So I'm, I, I feel as though that in certain ways, uh, Jared Goff is in the same wheelhouse as Brock is in, is in that it's the run game. It's who takes the physicality, who takes the battle axe first. That's who's going to win this game, right? Who stands up and says, all right, we're going to be physical today and we're going to be physical first. And you guys are going to be catching up to us the entire game. That's who's going to win this game. Um, so Madsen had that article on optimism. Now he's got cause for concern. And the three concerns he's got, and one of them is is the run D, right? Um, as you said, uh, <clears throat> Gibbs and Montgomery, it's almost like a pair of a thousand yard backs. They were number seven in the NFL. Detroit was in rush attempts, fifth in rush yards, number one in rushing touchdowns this season. In the divisional round, they ran it twenty six times for one hundred and fourteen yards and two touchdowns against a Buccaneer defense 
That was fifth in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. Um, the Niners have to do a better job. Aaron Jones ran for 108 yards in the division round, and if he can't stop the run, it could be a long day. That being said, it sounds like Jair Brown's going to play instead of Logan Ryan at safety, and I, I've been calling for it all week. I'm glad that sounds like that's the case. Uh, to me, this is a no-brainer. I mean, Logan Ryan is a cornerback who's 32, who's not that physical, who's coming off a cruise, and you've got Jair Brown, who's like hits like a linebacker, um, and is a big part of your future at safety going forward. You you go with Jair Brown all day, every day. I think they should have. They made a mistake last week going with Logan Ryan, um, but it sounds okay. like Jair Brown has indicated on Twitter. There's been no formal announcement, but he's kind of indicated on Twitter that he's gonna he's gonna start or he's gonna go. Uh, he didn't play a single snap last week, even on special teams. Mm-hmm. Are you all for Jair Brown in over Logan Ryan at safety? I don't know. I do not know. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Aaron Aaron Jones had 108 yards of, on us, but he did have a 53-yard run. All right? So let's just kind of put things in context. All right? Uh, one, one thing about Logan Ryan is Logan Ryan has been here before. Okay. He understands the stakes of what's being asked of him. And one of the biggest things that he can do right now, outside of his physical attributes, is understand what's being asked of him and not fuck up assignments. And that's the biggest thing that matters in playoff football, right? Yeah. But what if, I mean, I mean like, what if you're in the hole, but David Montgomery runs your ass over? True. But, what if you're not in the hole and you think you should be and you give up a touchdown for six? No, I hear you. But I mean, the run, fit, the run fits last week against Jones were not good. Um, I mean, you heard Bosa say, man, we got crushed on the crack toss all day. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, uh, it ain't just Logan Ryan, man. No, it ain't no. just, I, it's not just I mean? him. I, I'm not blaming him. I watched the film, man. Like yeah. he had some, he had some bloopers. I'll give it to you. Right. The, the, the conversation is warranted, right? He did not have a good game, but there were a lot of players who did not have a good run game on the ground. As far as the run game is concerned. Yeah. So I will say that, yeah, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. He's the new guy and the oldest guy. Of course, he's the first guy to come in. He was going to be the first guy to go out. That's the way it works. All right. As far as, th- as far as things starting to mess up on the defense or any type of organization for that matter. But I feel like he's there for the experience piece, the mental acuity of understanding a defense and knowing exactly where he should be. Also being able to get guys in the right place and in turn be a coach on the field. And then another thing that you have to understand is that you have to just look at the disparity of experience on the field. Let's not look at talent. Let's look at experience. If you put Jair Brown at safety, okay, what happens now is that you may get in positions where offenses are starting to try to manipulate a, a, a defense where the second half of our entire defense is comprised of Ambry Thomas and Jair Brown, right? And then when we're sitting here looking at film and we're starting to see how these guys are getting switch releases, getting Jair Brown and Ambry Thomas in fits, then we're going to wish that there was somebody over top to be able to have a little bit of a disparity of experience so somebody can talk to Ambry Thomas and say, hey, bro, you're wrong here, all right? You need to bounce back. You need to get, you're at the wrong depth, all right? So 
there is an element of having Logan Ryan on the field that's a little bit more cerebral than it is what we're just seeing from an older playing, an older player who we just snatched off the Carnival Boat Cruise. So I, I, I like that. I like Ryan against the 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 pass. I don't like Ryan against the run. And so here's the thing: if the Niners, based on what the Niners did last week, if you're Detroit, you are licking your chops. They couldn't stop Aaron Jones, and they're going to stop Gibbs and Montgomery. Guys, we're going to run it down their throat. So I think that's the mindset they bring into this game. I'm mm. going to put Jair Brown on the field first. And then if this becomes a one-sided game and they're passing in the second half to come back on the 49ers, then I'll go with Ryan as a extra you know, corner out there because he's probably the better coverage guy. But even that, I like the nose for the ball that Jair has. He's got double-digit picks the last couple of years in Happy Valley. I also just think that here's the other thing. I'm I'd much rather go with guys like Womack and and the youth in the secondary because that is your future over these stopgap guys like a Verrett, who's obviously now hurt, Logan Ryan, who's on a cruise. Um, you know, I can get behind I'd, that. I'd rather go with Luter and Womack and Brown and roll the dice than try to rig some has been veteran and hopefully, you know, it, I, you know, the guy who said playing Ryan's plan, not to lose playing Brown's plan more to win. I, I, I kind of agree, agree with, with that. that. I, I like Logan Ryan. Don't get me wrong. I interviewed him the other day. I like him. I think he serves a real purpose. I think his purpose though, is more as a, a security blanket, a good guy to watch film with, a good guy to settle the troops down because um, you got a lot of young guys in the room, right? So you got to have a couple veterans, and, and he, him and Tayshon are the veterans. But it's time to trust Luter, Womack, Ambry, Demo. Uh, it's time to trust Jair. Um, I don't. I didn't think Gibson played all that well against the run either, and I don't know that you can go up against a Detroit team that, as you said, has 2,000-yard rushers with two safeties that neither play the run particularly well. I, I think that's a. I think that's begging for a 200-yard rush day against you. So I would play Brown early and maybe Ryan late. That's the way I would. Okay, play. well, you, you kind of won me over, right? I'm, I'm subject to change my opinion with new information and new context. I am all about development and I do figure out, I do f understand that when you're coaching, there are, you, it's your job to find sneaky opportunities to figure out what you have in your players. And this is an opportunity where I feel like expectation does meet curiosity where, you know, he's been here long enough. He should be expected to know the defense. All right. He's played in enough games, so he understands NFL speed, all right? And then at the same time, the curiosity of what do we have, and if we expect this guy to be a true starter for us next year, then we'd love to get some type of tape in some of the highest highest, uh, highest position games that we're going to play in. So, yeah, I do agree with that, Larry. I do. If you're going to figure out what you got, you might as well figure out now. And they're younger. They're faster. They're going to be They're obviously going to be a bump in the run game and they're going to stay with the speed of the defense. But 
you're just going to have to overcoach, overcoach, and overcoach. You're just going to have to rep them out because you know that mistakes are pretty much the Achilles heel of these boys, right? It's not for lack of talent, you know? I, although Jair Brown does have to be a little bit more uh, purposeful in his uh, run fits, right? You know, shoulder bumping people and running into people is not going to do it. You got to wrap up. Uh, but outside of outside of that, I do agree with I do agree with that assertion, Larry. I mean, Logan Ryan is not going to he's going to give you he's going to give you the cerebral effort. He's going to know exactly where to be. But the thing about it is that there's a difference when knowing something and then having your body actually go do it. Right. And, you know, with Jair Brown, he's going to he's going to have a little bit of a problem in, you know, applying his mental acuity of the game to his physical attributes, but he's a live body and he's going to see ball and get ball. So yeah, I would say Jair Brown would be the better, would be the better start. Um, Madsen has one more here that I think are two more that I think are really interesting. Um, one, you know, you think of the yards after the catch, you think of the Niners. But Detroit, I mean, Amon Ra led the NFL this season in yards after the catch. Sam Laporta is really good after the catch. Jameer Gibbs might be the best in the league as far as being electric with the ball in his hands. Um, the Niners not only have to stop the run, but they really have to do a nice job if they do give up receptions of tackling Gibbs, Laporta, and Brown. Um, those guys run after the catch is a major concern for the, in this game against, uh, against Detroit that, that to me, you can't let Gibbs catch a five yard pass and run 77 yards. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a major one. And the other one he's got is obviously Aiden Hutchinson is a monster, right? He, you know, he was amazing this year. He had 101 pressures, second most in the NFL. He had 11 sacks. He's got eight in the last four games. Uh, 21.3% pass rush win rate, six best in the NFL. The guy can dominate, and he's going up against Colton McKivitz. And, you know, we saw TJ Watt in week one dominate against McKivitz with six pressures and three sacks and a forced fumble. And to me, and I, I, I want to know what you think, but I, I wanted to ask Trent Williams' this question. I didn't get it out this week, which is, okay. If the if the game plan for the Niners is to slide the protection towards McKivitz to help with Hutchinson, and can can Trent go all day one on one with Pascal and Kaminsky, who are bigger bodied guys, and is that the is that the plan? I mean, you, you got to chip uh, Hutchinson, you got to help McKivitz. He's got a, Hutchinson's got a nasty spin move. He's got a motor that's the best in the league, um, and he's hot, and he's getting home. I mean, unlike Bosa, who's not getting home recently, Aiden Hutchinson is getting home, and he's and he looks on paper like he's a one-man band because, you know, the rest of that line's just okay. Uh, Aleem McNeil's got some talent, but it's not like it's a star-studded line. I think a year from now, it's going to be a – he's going to have a partner – or two, and that's when they're really going to be scary. But um, right now, he's doing a, doing it a lot all on his own. What do you think the plan should be to stop Hutchinson up front? 
Uh, every all of the above, we're gonna have to slide to them, we're gonna have to fan to them, we're gonna have to bump them, flat out double team them, we're gonna have to chip them, we're gonna have to bluff block them, we're gonna have to use them as the point of attack, we're gonna have to misdirect them on play action pass, get them running down the line of scrimmage. I mean, we're really not, we're gonna have to have them thinking. One of the biggest things about pass rushes that I know as an offensive line is they just want to go, right? They love it when they get to pin their ears back and just play. We can't let him be comfortable, all right. He's got to be a focal point of what we do in the blocking schemes. And on top of it, um, I feel like we've done it all year, to be quite honest with you. We did it to TJ Watt week one. All right. We've been doing it all year. We did it to Aaron Donald. We found a way how to work around these guys. And, and again, this ain't Baltimore, right? These guys ain't Baltimore. These guys ain't uh, – who was another defensive – Cleveland. This ain't that, – that Aiden Hutchinson is their guy, right? It kind of all goes downhill as far as – Guys that can stop the run, they're stout, they're bigger guys, but they're not necessarily athletic pass rushers that can get after the quarterback. That's not what they do. That's why Aiden Hutchinson is there. We can be able to utilize good pass rush, good pass blocking schemes to be able to get around him. I don't if he if he figures out a way for it to be kind of a one-man band wrecking crew, because that's what it would be. They don't really have any dynamic pass rushers outside of him, then I would see that that's just a man one beat situation where you lost your rep. But as far as schematics are concerned, we can handle him. We can handle uh, um, Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I will say this. For all of the things that I talked about with how you can stop, um, you know, a lone pass rusher on a defensive line. When he gets his shots, Colton's got to win. He's got to win. All right. When there is one-on-one times, Colton has to win because this this is a little this is unique in that Aiden Hutcherson is bigger than Colton McKivitz. That's per, pretty much one of the only D linemen that Colton McKivitz has seen this year that actually is bigger than him. Col- Aiden Hutcherson is 6'7, 270. All right. Now he may give up 30 pounds to uh Colton McKivitz, but he's what he gives up in weight, he gains in speed, pop, athleticism. He's fast, dynamic, has strong hands, and can stride as big and as wide as uh, Colton McKivitz. He actually can cover the same surface area that he can cover. So it's going to be interesting to see Colton deal with another pass rusher that, quite frankly, is his size, right? That he can't use his length. That's that's one of the reasons why Colton McKivitz um, is serviceable. And it is, he is a fairly good um, right tackle. is because of his God-given size. He's 6'6" with a big gate, all right? So when he gets his kick step, the average pass rusher is going to have to generate more to get around him just off surface area alone because Colton's got strides. Things change a little bit more with your point of attack and how you get your 45-degree kick out, all right, how you jump set out there on a guy who can run as big as you, he can cover as much space as you, and he's just as strong as you, but he may be faster. So it's going to be interesting to see when we do get those one-on-one moments, because they can't do it all game. They can't. They can't completely strap the entire game plan around stopping this one guy. But there's going to be moments where Colton's going to have to just be a professional football player and win. Those are the those are the times that are going to make or break us, in my opinion. Uh, Debo's going to go, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's going to try to hit him on that shoulder. What do you think of, of you know the matchup as far as I don't know if they'll match up against each other, but Chauncey's looking for the knockout blow on Debo. It's become very personal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I mean, is how do you expect Debo's going to play? How do you think he's going to look? Well, first off, I fought. I boxed as a kid. Uh, fought around and played ball and the whole nine. And I'm gonna tell you, the emotion of everything that you want to do and like some type of physical encounter, all of that stuff completely falls out of the window after like the first five minutes. Anyway, your way there's way too much going on. Right. For you to do your job and then at the same time, carry out a personal vendetta like and we've seen games like that. And to be honest with you, when you see that type of stuff play out on the field, it is a little Bush League. It takes away from the actual game that's being played. And to be real with you, um, it gets to a point where if it, it gets persistent, then things have to be done. Right. Because we're not here to see you guys carry out your personal angst against each other. We're here to see a game. Right. So do your job, quite frankly. So I, I, that's how I feel about that. And I, I feel as though that they are in that same type of time. You saw a lot of chirping between the Eagles and the Niners for almost a year, right? And Niners came in, you know, dressed in all black, like, emotes, like emo kids. And, you know, that was pretty much the end of it. They played and, you know, we were, off to, we were on to the game. So I don't think that that's going to be necessarily a big storyline. Like, I feel like that storyline dies once the ball is kicked, right? Once, once, once the first second is played, all narratives die because we actually have what's we have the what's going on in front of us. Uh, I do think that Debo is going to have a good game uh, right now. I don't know where he is, uh, you know, health wise, but who cares? He's full go. He's off the he's off the injury report. So at this stage, I expect to see a hundred percent Debo until I don't. So I'm not even going to speculate on what he's going to look like. I think he's going to look like Debo. All right, he's healthy. He practiced. He's ready to go. What have you heard? Um, you know, I, I saw him practicing. I mean, he, he, he put his hands above his head, um, and could catch passes. So, I mean, obviously if there's some kind of dislocation, I don't, I don't see it. I think it's probably some kind of a rotator cuff issue. Maybe they can kill the pain for a couple hours. Terridor, so, baby. Sounds like something that he may have to have surgically repaired, uh, mm-hmm. in the off season. So that, that's obviously a concern, but you know he's a hu- he's a huge factor. I mean, I don't know you you saw those numbers when he plays. The Niners are fifty three and twenty three, and they score twenty seven a game. When he doesn't play, they're eight and nine, and they score like twenty four a game. So you know, on one hand, does he make only a three point difference? Mm-hmm. I don't know. On the other hand, it sure seems like he makes a big difference between winning and losing, doesn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. eight and nine versus 53 and 23. So, I mean, I want him out there in a bad way. I mean, I, I think he's not only he's the juice. He may not be the the biggest guy as far as who's the most important guy, probably CMC, but he's the juice, man. He's the he swagger. Is. He's Dude, the swagger. He's the thing that goes bump in the night. I'm telling you, it's like when you when you think about this offense, as an opposing team, you can kind of get your mind around the play calling, the fact that they're going to be good on, on offensive line because they have Trent Williams, and then Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. But what really kind of perplexes you is how all of those guys are incorporated with each other, and the common denominator is we've got this one-of-one one athlete that can run like a receiver, all right? He can get yards at the contact like a running back, all right? He has ball skills 
and he can he has the speed and the athleticism to be anywhere you want on the field. And on top of it, uh, he uh, can run the ball out of the backfield. So I feel like Debo is kind of like our uh, he's our easy button. I feel like when we get into the process of how things are done on our team, right? We get in the process and we get George going and then we get the deep end cuts with Brandon Ayuk and then we get the angle routes with Christian and the wheel routes and then we get the screens with uh, we get the third and Jawans. But when things ain't working, we all know I understand that, you know, we want to run the ball. But when things ain't working, I know that for years, the, the overall feeling is give Debo the ball, give him the ball, just put the ball in his hands and let him do something. That's the raw application of our offense when he gets the ball in his hands because anything can happen. He literally is a walking bucket. Like, he can take it to the paint anytime. So, uh, him playing um, is always going to be advantageous to us, and I think that that's going to be something that the Lions can't handle. Um, this is an interesting one from M. Patel. He says, road teams don't win title games. <clears throat> in their last 10 <clears throat> excuse me, NFC championship games, the home teams won eight, and in these playoffs, the only road teams so far who have won was Green Bay in Dallas and Kansas City in Buffalo. Other than that, every home team has won. Does that surprise you that that it's been such home cooking as far as who wins these games in these playoffs? No. Um, who gets home cook? I mean, you know, home cooking is deserved in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like you home cooking because of where you seated and what you do to be at home. So seems like see it means a ton. It it means everything, right? Like we get like again, we got a buy coming, right? Like this is another reason to win this game. We got a buy coming, right? Yeah, we got two weeks. Yeah, this is gonna be huge for us. So this is the position that we put ourselves in. We're getting the number one C. I don't look at it as home cooking. I look at it as like to the victor goes the spoils. Like, you don't like the way the system is played, you know, handle it in the owner's meetings. But this is how, this is what it is. We we fought for this, right? So um, that's the way the tournament has always been ran, right? And I feel like it's an incentive for the season. You have to be able to play for something. You can't just want to just get to the playoffs. Everybody, I mean, when do we get a playoff berth? Like week week 11? We had already We were already set for the playoffs. So you got to be able to play for something. All right, and that's what it is, home field advantage. Um, what kind of game do you anticipate? Uh, our buddy Rohan has a pretty good article at Niners Nation. He says, why the NFC Championship game could be a shootout. And mm-hmm. I kind of think he might be right. I, I think the Niners' defense is going to struggle at times to stop Detroit, and I think Detroit's defense can't stop the Niner O without mm-hmm. turnovers. Um, I, I think this could be a very high scoring game. What do you, how do you see it? I got it. 28, 17. I don't got it. I don't have it that high score. Well, that's not, that's not low scoring though. It's not low scoring, but 28, I, I mean, 17, I, I, I'm, I'm going 31, 31, 20. 31, so we're 20. basically kind of in the same realm. Yeah. Just one different. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this run game, we're, we're going to know what this defense is made of by the run game. One thing about Detroit that 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 Green Bay did that scared me is that Green Bay had a conservative effort of taking the air out of the ball. They love to take the clock, shoot the clock. Detroit, not so much. All right. And I feel like they do that because they're trying to get Amon Ra involved. They got Jamison Williams 
They have Jameer Gibbs. They have a lot of speed, right? They try to get to what they need to do with the speed of what they have, right? But with us, I just feel like if we show that we can stop their run game, right? right. It's going to be hard for them to get going. And defensively, I, I just think that we're just a step. We're just a whole class above them defensively, in my opinion. Yeah, right. No, that's why I like the Niners. If you say, "Give me the short reason," we're in an elevator. Somebody says, "Hey, you like the Niners?" We're, you know, you got thirty seconds to say why. Mm-hmm. I just think that the combination. Both teams have good offenses, but the Niners have a better defense. So the Niners will be able to get a few more stops than Detroit gets, and it will be. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be able to turn over Golf, and I think Purdy's going to bounce back. I just think the Niners ultimately win because their D is better than Detroit's D. Mm-hmm. I think the offenses could be um, somewhat of a somewhat of a of a wall of a push. I love Detroit's D offense. I mean, I think Detroit's offense is phenomenal, but you don't have their left guard. Their center's not a hundred percent. They're going outside on the road. Golf doesn't move well laterally. I think any kind of pressure in his face makes him a lot lesser of a player. Um, I like the Niner D to get a few stops, and I think the Niner O, unless they turn it over, you know, once again, if the Niners offense turns it over, then this game's very even. But if the Niners don't turn it over, I like the Niners. Well, the biggest Niners offense to keep going against this D all day. The biggest biggest thing for me is going to be a linebackers. Our linebackers are going to have to have the game of their lives. Um, These are fast. They really, really predicate themselves and get into the edge. Um, it's going to be a hell of a day for Fred Warner. Dre Greenlaw's got to be flying all over the place because not only that, one of the biggest op, one of the biggest jobs of linebackers is to make D linemen right. D linemen are supposed to be able to hold those gaps and be able to have lane integrity, especially in run fits. And if they miss lane integrity or they miss run fits, that's linebackers' jobs in order enabled to be able to number one clean up the edge. Be the guy who who spill who spills on the bubble, or to be able to come back and make sure that they sh- they shut down open and expose gaps. That's going to be a crazy day in run fits for our linebacking core. Now, this is the thing that does worry me. We got to set the edge, man, because these guys are fast. We have to set the edge. When you say set the edge, you're talking about Bosa Chase and Young can't and get Chase reached. Young. Chase Young can't get reached. Hey. If I was if I was uh, Chase Young's agent or his teammate, or if I was just talking to Chase Young, I'd say, Chase, right now, you're not getting the bag that you think you're getting. If you have a big, big, big game here. It could change everything. It could change your entire offseason and career arc as far as what kind of money you're going to get. DNs yeah. usually get paid, but he is the word. I mean, the Niners were one of the only bidders from what I can tell at the trade deadline and they didn't pay a, a, a big price they've got him for a third the league has stated that they think that chase young is not the player that he used to be and he's kind of proven that since he's been here but if he has a monster game here and a monster game in the super bowl in two weeks somebody he, a bite he will get paid big so mm-hmm. to me i'd be like hey man it doesn't matter what you've done all that matters is what you do and if you do it here, you, you're going to make money, big money. Yeah, yeah. The crack and 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 again, crack toss. I mean, you can't get cracked by wide receivers, man. That can't happen, right? You can't let that happen. Like Chase Young has got to have the game of his life. Randy Gregory, 
Yes. Now, Randy is a little bit more stout in the run game. I will and much better at rushing the passer, but he's just not. He doesn't have the body. He's just not big enough. All right. And that's just what it is. He's a slender guy. OK, Coach, I got one more superhero. I got to pull one thing off the printer. Can you can you hang for 30, 30 seconds? I'll be right sure. back. Yeah. So cryptic nine ninety nine. I got Larry's show. All right. So cryptic nine ninety nine says what makes the Niners so special? They have never been short of a championship game for almost a decade. We are spoiled in a way. You see most new teams building their way up from the uh, Western Conference, WC to championship game, the wild card to the championship game. Yeah. I mean, right now that is talking about the proverbial window of the 49ers and where we stand in being able to finally knock out this championship with the teams that we have. We are, I remember in 2019, we used to be one of the youngest teams in the league, we were the upstart. We were the lions. We were the team. We were the team that everybody was fawning over and talking about our development and our depth. But as the time has gone on, and as we've moved on from coaches, like even the Patriots are interviewing our tight ends coach now. If you guys haven't seen that, there are teams that are creeping up, and it's time. And the only way that we sustain what we have is to be able to have championship success. Um, this is our year, guys. I mean. At this stage of the game, if we don't get it done now, when are we going to get it done? Right? Like the the Lions are not the Lions are not on our level as far as experience is concerned. Their cornerbacks, their cornerbacks are something that is definitely going to be something that Brock can take advantage of um, in this game. Right now, Cam Sutton, the game that he had last week was absolutely abysmal. All right, and. They got another guy that they just picked up off the street um, at the other opposite corner. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was some matchups. All right. So if you look at the Detroit, if you look at Detroit, right, they have their three receivers in Amon Ross St. Brown. They have uh, Jamison Williams, but there's also a guy that I feel like is going to be on Traverius Ward. Okay. And he's a bigger guy. And his name is Josh Reynolds. Now, Josh Reynolds is a fourth round pick, uh, fourth round pick out of uh, Texas A&M. He just signed on with these boys a couple of years ago. And he's 6'3", 194, and runs a 4'5". And I'm going to tell you, he's not necessarily their best pass catcher. All right. He's definitely lower on the totem pole as far as their passing is concerned. But for where he is right now, I feel like while we're paying attention to Jamison Williams, while we're paying attention to Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds in their passing game is going to be somebody that's definitely going to be able to do something for them. Now, if you look at Laporta, my biggest matchup for Laporta right now at tight end is going to be Fred Warner. I don't think defensively we're going to have a lot of positions where Laporta is going to be on top of Logan Ryan or Jair Brown. I just don't see it. More often times than not, you're going to see Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be on Diamondor Lenore. And you have to ask yourself, is this going to be the matchup that we're going to see with Jamison Williams and Ambry Thomas, right? That's going to be a matchup that we're going to see, right? Also, in order to, com to combat that, right, so we don't get Jamison Williams on Ambry Thomas, we might see uh, Coach Wilkes maybe choose to travel Traverius Ward, right? Are we going to travel corners with Diamador Lenore and Amon Ross St. Brown? Are we stout enough in our secondary at this moment to be able to play 
vanilla across the board and let Amon Ross St. Brown go across, go across the entire line of scrimmage with our secondary. So we might see a couple of wrinkles with this team based on the one-off we're seeing them, right? We might see some traveling corners because we need, we need to see Jamison Williams. We need to see Jamison Williams be on Traverius Ward, right? But for deep threats down the field, I feel like they're going to try their luck with Josh Reynolds versus Ambry Thomas. Yeah, and Reynolds is big and physical and kind of clutch. He, yeah. he's he is uh he's he's not afraid. He he'll go across the middle, he'll take big hits. I think Ambry bounces back too because Ambry's a really talented guy. Um, you know, he he Ambry wrapped that receiver up last week and had a terrible PI. I mm-hmm. think he's gonna play much better in this game. In fact, I kind of like Ambry to get a pick in this game. I, I think really? he's gonna bounce back. I really do. Um, let's hit some supers here. And then I've got a couple other things I want to throw you. And then we'll get into quick thoughts on, on the AFC game front row with Jay Rose His coach has really come up since the Tannehill take bring that energy coach. Hey man, look at that. I They're am... never going to forget Tannehill. I don't want you to man. Don't ever forget Tannehill. Don't ever. <laughs> I hope that we are having, we're toasting a Super Bowl victory and we can talk Herbert and Tannehill. By the way, how how good's Herbert going to be with Harbaugh? Hey, man, I don't know. This is the thing about Harbaugh is that Harbaugh kind of strangles his quarterbacks off with the run game. I You're love right. the fact that he goes hard in the run game, but we got to see what Coach Harbaugh is. If Coach Harbaugh is kind of it's a it's been a different NFL since. Since it'll help. It'll help. It'll help the Chargers. Someone said San Diego. It will help the Chargers win. Right. I don't know if it will make Herbert have bigger numbers, but they'll he'll win more games. He'll win more games. Yeah. Uh, we got this one from Yaz Williams. Look, Coach. Get look, Coach. Gets me hyped every Saturday. Let's effing go. Time, man. There you it's go, time. Yaz. Seriously, he gets me hyped as well. It's one of the best streams we do. Got close to thirteen hundred people in the room, um, and we're coach and I love love uh, these Saturday shows. Matthew Sanders says these boys need to seize their destiny mentally. Mm. I like that one too. Seriously, it's about this is a you know this is the game that you're the team that loses this game is always forgotten. You know, it's like. And then somebody asked me this the other day because somebody was like, hey, you know, I think they're, the NFC team, no matter what's going to lose in the Super Bowl. And this guy's like, I'd rather lose in the, in the, in the NFC title game than lose again in the Super Bowl. I, uh, what do you, what do you, I mean, first of all, I told him right out of the shoot, I go, that's a terrible mindset, but um, I understand what he's saying in that. If you lose in this game, there's an anonymity to it. If you lose okay. in the Super Bowl, it's like recorded for all time. You know what no. I mean? No. It's like people will remember it forever, Buffalo Bills. I, I just, you know, there's a difference between. Well, I'd still rather lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, simply put, that's kind of like, you know, there's a difference between people who see the drowning baby and pull out their phone and people who see the drowning baby and hop in the lake. Like, I don't know how to address if I lost, if I would lose. I'm too focused on wanting to win. Like losing is something that you deal with later. But I, if I'm a lose, I want to lose in the goddamn Super Bowl. Like, I don't want to. I hope everybody knows I'm going in the water, man. 
Yeah, you better hop in the guy. Like I don't, I'm I going don't in care the water. I don't even losing. Care. I don't care whose baby it is. I'm going. In, I'm jumping in the water. Who cares about losing when you're too busy trying to win? Like I don't care. Like who? That's one of the things why people don't win is because they're too busy paying attention who the fuck is watching them, and they're too worried about what how it's going to look if they lose. People who go win don't worry about who's watching. They just go do what they need to go do. So I don't even know Amen how to approach to that. that conversation. Like, if I lose, I'd rather. It's like, well, you know what? Thank God, because your ass ain't never going to be in a position anyway with that type of attitude. Like, Well, it's like I had a buddy who wants to do this, what we're doing, right? And he's like, well, you know, I want to wait until I get this and that and all this and that. I'm like, dude, just go do it. Go just do it. Go, just go do it. You want to have a YouTube channel? You want to fuck? Go do it. Don't sit mm-hmm. there and talk about it and think about it. And tomorrow, if I plan it better, it'll be better than today. Don't put off great. Don't put off good because in the pursuit of great, it, take good and get make it great. You hey, know man, what I mean? stop starting and start finishing. Come on, man. Let's get it done. Get yeah, it done. That's a, gr- that's a great line. Say that again. Stop starting and start finishing. Like, <laughs> get that. it that's done. a great one. Stop telling me what you're about to do. Stop telling me what's about to happen and how it's going to do. And I'm going to get this done. And I had this idea, but start finishing. Yeah. Tell me when that shit is done. You know what I'm saying? It's Confirm like, it's, arrivals. It's, yeah, it's like that. It's like that dream vacation that you're always talking about doing or that room that you're talking about painting. Stop talking about painting and go paint. Finish. You know what I mean? Finish. Stop talking about this vacation and go on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a lot. Okay. Of, in other words, stop deferring your 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 happiness to tomorrow and go make it happen today. Dusty Baker one time said to us in in his office, he's like, "Tomorrow ain't promised to nobody." Nobody. Think about that for a second, and just how real that is. Tomorrow yeah. ain't pot promised to nobody. Hey, so man. make it happen today. That's that's kind of like what this team is like, man. We'll worry about the rest when it, you know, when the dust settles. Like, throw it all out there. Go. It's time to go win a game. We got two games left. That's it, man. That's go. It. That's it. All gas, no breaks. Quality touches. I'm so ready to see Debo truck Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Oh, yeah. I would, yeah. Love, I would love that too, man. If Same saw- energy. If I saw Debo just run his ass over in like the fourth quarter of a game clinching touchdown, I seriously would cheer in the press box. Dude, you I know would. they're gonna go off. Like, and, th- and that's what I'm saying. Like the same energy that we had last week, we got to carry that over right now. Like, I don't want the fans to start having PTSD because the game didn't look the way. Nah, we won. We won. On to the next. All right. That's the mentality yeah, that you exactly. got to Don't critique victories. Uh, just accept them and move on to the next one. That's just not the, that's the name of the game, right? The only reason why you don't win the next game is because you're too busy critiquing the last one. It's right. over. It's over. Let's move on. We're in a one-off. All right. There's a tournament. All right. So we can't go back and then check injury. Nah, man, we got to run with what we brung. So for me, the positivity and the energy around this team should be at an all-time high because we're still alive and yep. we're healthy and we're playing a team that we're better than and we should stomp a whole mud hole in these motherfuckers and walk them dry. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I love that. 
Uh, I put this up before, but Cryptics is what makes the Niners so special. They've never been short of a championship game for almost a decade. Uh, we are spoiled in a way. You see most teams building their way up from the wild card to the championship game. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I you know, I don't know if the Niners are special. They're an iconic franchise. They're in their window. But guess what? You know what this reminds me of, and I'll say it again, and I, I've said it a few times, so I apologize to the people who catch every stream and um, and maybe are like, Krug, you repeat yourself. Yeah, you know, by the end of the week, sometimes I have the same thoughts because I, I only I, my thoughts are legit. I'm not making them up. So I only have so many that I – so I do repeat myself from time, from time to time, and I've repeated this, so forgive me if you've heard it. But I kind of see this Detroit team as the bears in the 84 NFC championship game, they got shut out and thoroughly outclassed by a better team that was ready to win in the Niners. Niners won that day, 23, nothing. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. the Niners are going to win 23, nothing, but I think Mm -hmm. the Niners are a level above this Detroit team. Yeah. But it was clear as day that the bears were coming. And all I would say is the Niners, (coughs) you know, the Niners, to me, looking at young Green Bay, young Detroit, these teams are coming, and these teams are going to be really, really good in a year or two with a few more pieces. You yeah. give you give Green Bay uh, a couple of real good linebackers and a, maybe a healthy DB. You give this Detroit team another tag team partner on their front line for Hutchinson maybe a star linebacker or two and another corner or two. Um, you know, these teams are coming. I would not be surprised if in the next two years, Green Bay or Detroit were the best team in the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. So it's not going to last forever. The Niners have the upper hand right now. They're the better team and they got to make it happen. But I could see, I'm not saying it's going to be like the 85 Bears, but I could see next year's Lions or next year's Packers or both being really, really, really good uh, if they have good another good draft. So um, it's time to get it done right here, right now. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that the Niners are going to be in this spot a year from now with these great young teams starting to pop up in the NFC. Well, I agree with that, but I also understand that the same, the same, you know, path on trying to get to the Super Bowl, these teams got to go through their same path too, right? You know, look at our path, man. 2020, we were the most injured team in NFL history, right? Everything just fell off, right? 2021, we started, we thought we had a great team, started out slow. Then we had, we started out five, what was that? Three and five. That was the Dr. York week that he had to come in during the, during practice. We had to win seven games in a row, go see Dallas on the road, go see Green Bay in the tundra, and then finally be a shell of ourselves to see the Rams again and and be a one-drop pick away from winning that one. Last year, you know, three quarterbacks down, right? And we, and we, we had the forethought to even have Brock Purdy in the building on top of the guy that we drafted who we had to get out of here before the season started. What a QB competition. So, look, everybody else got their own issues. Right. And I know and I know that our road here has not been easy. Right. It's been peaks and valleys through this whole way through. And I think that there are going to be some other teams. Well, for them being so young and them, you know, having one or two players, I feel like we're kind of looking at them in like this perfect vacuum. 
But that's just not the way football works, right? We've had depth issues. We didn't. We had to get Chase Young and Randy Gregory in the building just to keep the defense going. So I think that we're a special team in that we – the reason why our window has been open so long is because we are so talented, because we have that many players. I think that looking at other teams were being one. There's no team outside of maybe the Ravens that is one to two players away from being as good as us. There's no team, right? There's no team that has uh, a Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, a Javon Hargraves, a Fred Warner and a Dre Greenlaw all on the same team that are perennial pro bowlers and first all team pro. There's no team like that. Right. There's no there's no team with a Debo Samuel. Right. Usually a team with a Debo Samuel, they have like a younger OK receiver. You don't get freaking Brandon Ayuk after it. Who's who's on two thousand yard seasons back to back. Right. And then if you get all that, you don't get Christian McCaffrey, the leading rusher in the NFL. So these te- it's levels to this. These teams are not us. Right. So I don't look at teams being like one or two players away. They maybe got one or two players away to be competitive. They got one or two players away to be perennial winners, but you're going to have to do a lot more to show up to multiple NFC championship games the way we did in Super Bowls to call yourself like us. Like that's that I feel like there's there's levels to this. Um we hit a couple more supers and then I've got I've got a buddy who does has a great article out right now that I got to throw your way. Matthew Sanders says, focus on scoring five touchdowns. The D will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ray's Vibe says, the 39-yard CMC touchdown. You can hear Brock say, stay there, stay there, stay there to juice. Game managers don't do that. You know, I asked Shanahan about that, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, what did, what, what, did, what was going on there? And basically, he said that, that Warner was going to have a motion, and then, back. and then he was going to come back. And Brock just kept him there because the play clock was was churning down. But that's play clock awareness. And Shanahan went on to say, hey, look, man, we would have had to waste a time out there. Um, and instead, we got a touchdown run out of it. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a that was a heads up play by Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montre- and had to wear with all because Juice was actually telling Charlie to go. Right, right. Right. But Brock is staring at the play clock, and I think there was five on the clock. Montrose mm-hmm. family says, I need Purdy to shut the haters up. So unjustified. Uh, there have been a lot of haters for sure. Rick Smith says, Run the damn ball, Shanahan. Let's go, Niners. Mm-hmm. Like cool. Montrose family. Ryan completely missed the run game assignments. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's he talking about? Logan Ryan. Oh, Logan Ryan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not that he missed it. It's that he got in the hole and only got a hand on the back. I mean, you got to break down more true than that, especially if you're an undersized guy. I mean, his advantage has got to be that he breaks down in space better than bigger players. And if you're not breaking down in space well, I need to go to the bigger player because the bigger player is going to provide more thump. The smaller player is going to break down more accurately at the ball carrier you would think in this case he overran jones barely got a hand on him that can't happen in this game and as far as i'm concerned i just want jair brown out there uh the real carolina guy says love the crew coach duo let's fucking go niners hashtag east coast fan you over here with me let's go man let's do it let's do it we love having the coach on saturdays christian magana best way to stop the run is taking an early lead 
Amen to that. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Daryl Granville, Kinlaw and Hargrave need big games. We'll love yeah. to see Javon play a little bit more than Sebastian Joseph Day. I don't know how you feel about that, Coach. But you know how me, I feel about that. I mean, I, him I, and, I, I like Kinlaw. Him and, there's a reason why they let him go. Um, he's struggling. Um, he just doesn't have. He's smaller than I thought he was. He yeah. just doesn't. He's not that is physically imposing as I think he is. He doesn't Which have is a lot weird. of girth. It's weird because he was playing in a two gap scheme. Yeah, you would think I, he would have been broad at three ten. But we, yeah, when you watch him, you're like, wait a second, this guy was a two gapper on our team. He looks like a like a one gap penetrator. And it looks like a three technique. Yeah, like like if that almost damn near a DN, like a three like a three a down five. DN. Yeah, yeah, like a, a five tech. Yeah, I mean that's I, amazing. I inside man he looks so much smaller than i thought he would be he does not carry a lot of surface area he gets moved off the point of attack he gets turned from the line of scrimmage he's not parallel at all and I, it's not for lack of trying i've watched film he fights but he's just a smaller guy he's getting he's getting engulfed in there so give yeah. me kinlaw give me kinlaw yeah. kinlaw will not get engulfed uh local on uh, enterprise broadcasting, I think it's going to boil down to who runs out of out of steam first and turnovers. Both mm -hmm. teams have strengths where the other team has weaknesses. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good take. Actually, that is uh, a very good take. Homie hangout, first timer, exactly what I was looking for. Hashtag bang bang. Glad to have you, homie. There you go, homie hangout. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Maurice Stallworth, I feel play calling is going to be the most important thing going forward, whether it's this game or the Super Bowl. I still can't get over us not giving Gore or Moss a chance at the goal line. Oh, I agree. Yeah. You had Randy Moss and Frank Gore, and neither got a touch. Oh, man. Crabtree got three touches. Crabtree got three reps Michael James. Look, look, Har man. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, come on. I'm you you like you really broke down that sequence for me. <laughs> like, I'm not over it, man. I was I sitting there. I was sitting there in that stadium thinking, we got this. We got this. Andy says, there is no tomorrow from Rocky. Hey, I feel I, you. Who said that in Rocky? It was That was Rocky. Um, that was, no, that, that was, was Apollo Creed. It was Apollo Creed to Rocky. Apollo Creed said that to Rocky while they were training, and that was Rocky 3? I think it might have been 4. The beach? The beach scene? That's there Rocky. is no tomorrow. And it's like echoes tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. It's, I love that movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers was put together, man. Oh my that god. That guy was that guy was yeah. God. Yeah, seriously. Uh I love the Rocky movies. Three and one and two were classics. One was like an award winning, but it's just yeah. so freaking slow now. If you watch one, you'd be like, oh my god, speed this up. How many times can we watch this guy walk bouncing a ball? You know um, what kind of hurt me? I like Rocky I Three, dude. Come on, I watched, woman. I watched First Blood. Man's not not doing it for you. Remember the cover uh, leg? Yeah, cover leg. Cover leg. Why don't you go? Why don't you bring your pretty little self over to my place? <laughs> What's tonight's forecast? Tonight's forecast: pain, pain, pain. <laughs> then he knocked into Mick, and Mick died. Um, he ran Rocky, Mick Rock over. He ran Mick over, and then Rocky just was not having that, man. He was not having that. I Dude, love you know it. What? It's hilarious, too, watching the, the fake fighting scenes and how many times Mr. <laughs> T goes, <laughs> his head gets knocked back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
It was Dog, awesome. You know what ruined it for me? I watched First Blood like last weekend, and I was like, "Those guns look like pipe cleaners." <laughs> first Blood is not how I recognize it. Then I, I watched all three. I worked. I watched First Blood two, right? When they were like going for the POWs, he had to like grab the POWs out of like that internment camp. And I was like, so you mean to tell me that they literally went and got POWs on a skiff? Like, look at this boat. <laughs> this boat is horrible. I just can't watch the old movies like I used to. Rocky Four. You gotta change. And we gotta change. And together we gotta we change. change. We gotta change. <laughs> the Politburo's up there. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just awesome. Yeah. Yo. Uh, the announcer was my good friend. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh God, now I'm forgetting his name. Uh, the the play by play announcer who was who was the fight caller, Barry Tompkins. Oh, Barry Tompkins. Hey man. Oh my God. Those Barry Rocky Tompkins. movies were the best, man. Everything yeah. was so dirty. Why was everything so dirty? Oh, it was great. Brigitte Nielsen taking oh, a taking oh, a oh yeah taking a hit of a cigarette like she was smoking a J. You know, as Apollo no. as Apollo uh, went to the ground, and that was it for Apollo. Bridget Nelson. If he dies, if he, he dies, dies, he dies. If he dies, he dies. Could you imagine like, if you said that now in a fight game and somebody actually died? Like the worst person over. of all time. Dude, man. She was married to Gastineau. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, and she's like, you know, talk about somebody who likes the macho type. Sly and Gastineau. That's your guys. type, yeah. But but I'm gonna tell you though, that guy was gigantic. Isn't isn't his name's like Hans, uh, the the Russian guy, Ivan like Drago? A, yeah, he he's like a uh, he's like a chemist. Like, dude, he's like one of the smartest dudes of all time, bro. Like, look up look up Drago, who he is in real life, bro. He's like he's like a, a scholar, a chemist, like really? he's. He's like the Dosakis guy. He's like the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. Like, go look up Hans and look up who that guy is in real life, bro. He's like one of the most interesting guys on, pl on planet Earth. <laughs> I'll look it up. <coughs> that is awesome. Yaz yeah, Williams Dolph, is Brock. Dolph Lugren. Yeah, Dolph that's Lundgren. Dave. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yaz Williams. Brock set up perfectly for a huge game. I agree. Yeah. I agree. He's ready to roll here. Mike D says stunt on these lions, Purdy. Craig Frankie, less empty backfields, more play action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Green Bay was bad against empty. That's why they but went I was, to it. Okay. And they're bad against empty. And I know that uh Kyle also said that he he liked going empty because Brock's comfortable with it. But I mean, I need us to be a little bit less. Mo it also spreads out a defense that's trying to play extra guys in the box. Mm -hmm. It makes them kind of show what they're playing man or zone, and it spreads them out, and it gives the quarterback some a little bit more space um, in the pass game. I mean, that's really what it is. We'll see. We'll see how much he uses it this week. What are, um, what are you gonna say? What What are you gonna see? Because li listen, man. The game is played from the trenches out. What are you going to say? What are we going to do on defense if this is the offensive line starts dominating us up front? Because that's that's what it is. Let, let's let's talk about what we saw. Right, a lot of things in that game against Green Bay weren't transferable. Right, because we're playing against a different team. However, 
Some things are. And you can't tell me that that defense wasn't gassed early in that game. That deep that that defensive line was tongues were wagging. They were tired. I just worry about them picking up the pace on us with this deep, with this offensive line. Now, Iosika is the only guy that's not playing, but what they have in Decker, Ragnow, Glasgow, and Sewell, man, that's one of the better offensive lines still left playing in the playoffs. It's one of the better run blocking offensive lines. They're 14th in the league in pass block win rate. So mm-hmm. I I yeah, I mean, I it's a concern. I mean, they're going to come in to run the ball and they've got a great run back run blocking line and they've got two great runners. So that's why I need Jair Brown. I mean, that's really the argument of why I need Jair Brown. I need that extra guy in the box and I need my corners to be able to stand up and play man to man. But I have confidence that Ambry and Mooney and Demo can stand up on the outside. If you bring Gibson and, uh, Jair into the box to help you against the run, and you may have to. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll roll my roll my dice with the with that with Jair in the box and and those guys going one on one, and maybe that means that that Reynolds and uh, Amon Ra make some plays, but um, I gotta I gotta take my chances somewhere, and if you, if they're running the ball at will, you gotta you gotta bring that extra guy down and and you know try to take it away. I think the Niners, um, I'm real concerned about yards after the catch for Gibbs. That's my number one concern. Okay. Number one concern is can Gib, can they get Gibbs to the ground if they throw it to him and swing it to him out of the backfield? That's that's my concern. Uh, Black Pill Phil, how do the Lions replace Jonah Jackson? If they can't, the 49ers whip their ass. Well, um, that's the thing. This this. Uh, you know, if you look at the guy Awasika, um, who's going to step in for him, he's not nearly the same kind of player. I mean, Awasika, um, in 86 snaps, gave up 13 pressures. Jackson, in 182 snaps, gave up 19 pressures. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy in Awasika who's a young developmental guard, and he's going to have to play. Coyote Awasika, he had a 29.2 pro football focus pass blocking grade, worst on the Lions. So, um, you know, bottom line is, I agree. Hargrave, you know, Hargrave got the big, big check. He this was the big addition. This is his moment. This is if it. Hargrave's going to prove that he's bad A, then he's going to make it, make it, you know. The Niners didn't get to the Super Bowl last year. Hargrave did. Hargrave is now here to help them win this game. And this is why you got, got paid. This, yeah, this is why you get paid. It's time for Hargrave to be Hargrave. He yeah. was pretty quiet last week. Pretty this quiet. This is the hump game. Like, honestly speaking. Kinlaw, Kinlaw had, a, had a higher grade last week than, than Hargrave. Uh, so, football so, focus. That's crazy. So, so let's put it like this. The net net of the season. I know we won a Super Bowl. Right. I know we do. Right. But if you're looking at the actual progression of did we have a successful season or not? Is this game? Because last year we didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So even if we go to the Super Bowl and whatever happens, we're playing with house money in a sense. I know we want the Super Bowl. But as far as what we did last season and what we're doing this year, this season will be a failure if we lose to the Lions, right? Because yeah. we got to make it to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. We got to make it plus one of what we did last year. So 
That's what it is. We got to make it past this game for the season in itself to be looked at as a success. All of the numbers, all of the wins, all of the personal accolades, all of the stuff we did to get Christian, his freaking touchdowns every every week, all of Brock's numbers, none of it is going to matter if we don't get past this week because the season will be literally a failure by itself. It'll be a failure. I agree. I agree. I mean, we can sit here and soft pedal it and try to sound nice and this and that, but this is the bottom line and this is their bottom line too. So it's not like we're saying anything that they're not saying. I know they Um, feel the same exact way. They feel, they feel exactly the same way. Um, and, and they may even feel differently in the standpoint of, they may feel like they need to finish the deal, um, which, you know, we're kind of saying, Hey, you got to get there. And even uh, but, more so in the fact that last year we had to go on the roads and see an Eagles team who was far better than this team, uh, than this Lions team. What the Eagles were last year versus what you look at what the Lions are this year, the Eagles are the better team. They're a far better team than what the Lions are. And we had to go on the road to go see them. We're seeing a far less te- talented team, a far less experienced team coming to us on the, on the road. We got to win this game. Oh, come on. If you told every single 49er fan at any point in the season, you're going to get the Lions at home for a right for the chance to go to the Super Bowl. They're taking that every I'm time. taking it. I'm taking it. Exactly. Bring it I love on. The way you put that. Everybody would say, bring it freaking on. Anthony mm-hmm. Govea. Brock, uh, Brock, what is the most dis- or Brock, what is the most disrespected MVP candidate? Uh, Brock is the most is. disrespected. MVP, MVP candidate I've ever seen. Team. Yeah, mm-hmm. no question. No question. Anthony, look at this one. Breaking. Zach Ertz not activated for the NFC game. So what Let's the hell is so what the hell is the signing? What's the deal there? Why did he think. wait so long to sign? And then why would he sign if he if they're not going to activate him? It's weird. That, that's a weird one. Uh Matthew Sanders, can we get a non-quarterback throwing touchdown? That shit is fire. Uh, I don't know about that, man. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't need that. That just, that just makes heart palpitations. Um, Okay. One of my favorite guys breaking down the NFL is the former Iowa safety, Matt Bowen. I love Matt Bowen. Yeah. Matt Bowen's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love Matt. And he's a great guy. I think he was taken one pick ahead of uh, Tom Brady in the 99 draft. Uh, He works with Greg Cosell on NFL films. Anyway, he's got an article out, and he's a really good film breakdown guy. Mm-hmm. He's, this is the guy who rolls it back and forth. I'm a Matt so Bowen this, disciple. I follow yeah, they, Matt Bowen. I've been following Matt Bowen for years. So he's got how the Lions can win and how the Niners can win. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. Niners are a seven-point favorite over under 51 and a half. Um, he says how the Lions can win. Stick with leveled throws for Jared Goff. He says in the Lions' two playoff wins, Goff has lit up the middle of the field, completing seventy-eight point four percent of his throws inside the number, inside the numbers for three hundred and forty-seven yards and two touchdowns. He says Detroit's leveled concepts give Goff a high-low read on in-breaking routes with Amon Ra and Sam Laporta as his primaries. He will have those opportunities against the Niners to find zone coverage. The Niners played zone sixty-six sixty-six. Point four of opponents dropbacks this season, seventh highest rate in the league. So Detroit should use more early down play action, limiting Fred Warner's ability to get depth 
as a hook and middle read defender and pepper the middle of the field in the passing game. Goff is at his best when he can do that, throwing with both anticipation and ball location. That's interesting. So that's that's number one. Number two, he says, get the 49ers and Brock Purdy off schedule with pressure. Third down pressure is a part of every game, but a closer look at the tape and the numbers tell us that Aaron Glenn will dial it up on early downs as well. We saw it last week with Brian Branch and Melifonwu getting home on blitzes in the game against Tampa on early down pressure calls. He says, including the playoffs, Detroit has a blitz rate of 28.3% on first and second down, which ranks in the top 10. It allows the Lions to be aggressive from a defensive perspective with the goal of winning those early downs and putting Purdy and the Niners behind the sticks. Um, you know, to compete with San Francisco, you can't allow Purdy to throw in rhythm or Shanahan to control the tempo and the lions he thinks can gain an edge there. I thought that is interesting. And then he says the X factor for the lions is Kirby Joseph, the safety. He says, Joseph's post range and ability to drive top down on the ball from quarters and from quarters coverage and cover two alignments should play a big part in this game. He had four picks this season. The Lions will need some game-changing plays from their secondary. So they're they're hoping that, or at least he's you know saying that Kirby's the X factor. So all of those are good observations. What do you think, Coach? Of those before we get to the Niners side, what do you think of of you know? I thought it, very interesting breakdown on golf um, and those middle middle of the field throws. And I, to me, it's like one of the things you got to do is you got to get your hands up. If you're one of these interior players, Armstead, Kinlaw, if they if you don't get home and he's going to take short drops and try to hit timing passes over the middle, you got to get your hands up or you got to somehow pressure him in his face. Um, and then the the you know blitzing Purdy on first and second down, I totally think they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's definitely part of their plan. What do you think of uh, of Bowen's breakdown on the Lions and their possibilities? I think the Lions are going to try to spread themselves thin on defense. Um, I think that throughout the entire year, the Lions, the Lions primarily rush with five. That's what they do on defense. Um, and I believe that the Lions are going to try to go at Brock before they start going at our run game. That's why I want us to start with the run game. That's why I've been pushing it all year. Um, in my opinion, I think that they don't believe in our offensive line. They're proud, and because of that, they have a lot of uh, they got they don't have necessarily a lot of pass rushers. All right, so they're going to try to split us wide and try to start isolating us. And I feel like you do that with three down linemen. You do that with simulated pressures. You show Brian Branch in the A gaps and Mef- and Mefalanu on in the C gaps. And I feel like they're going to try to mimic a lot of what Baltimore has done to us. I understand that Green Bay. Uh, they're not built the way uh, they're not built defensively uh, like Baltimore is. And nobody really is. But I watched the Green Bay game against Dallas and I watched our game and they didn't play us the same way they played Dallas. They really put a concerted effort on trying to confuse our offensive line, particularly in what Baltimore did to us. Now, before I feel like they're going to mix it up a little bit, because before earlier in the season, five, five down linemen was the way how to exploit our run game, because we saw that in Cleveland. Cleveland started their five down run game and they really had a good day against the safety wise. And I feel like that's what Detroit is going to do at times when they know we're going to run the ball. But 
As far as splitting us out wide, I feel like they're going to go simulated pressure. They're not going to blitz. I think they're going to show it because they want to start confusing our offensive line. But the biggest thing that they want to do is they want to get Brock throwing picks. I think the biggest thing to be able to get at Brock is not necessarily rushing the passer because they. the thing about it is that if you're a coach, right, on defense and you're thinking to yourself, man, I really only have one elite pass rusher. and out of the 60 reps that I'm going to get out of Aiden, I'm probably going to get maybe 20 hard, good pass rush reps out of him, right, throughout the game. And I know that that can be completely burned by the first half if all I do is just tilt and go after these guys. I think they're going to pick their spots because they know they can't necessarily go after Brock. And then Brock shows another thing about this too, blitzing us is just not smart to do. If they want to blitz us, great. We'll, yeah, we'll bring really it. they ask. Because Brock's the number one quarterback in the league against the Blitz. That's what I'm saying. I don't think we're going to do it. I think we're going to simulate pressures in order to show Blitz because that's what we do so well. We get the ball out quick. And when we believe that the ball needs to get out quick, that's when picks happen, right? Because that's when we start simulating pressures and we start being where we're not supposed to. Are you that's talking about on defense, you mean? Defense, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. sorry. Okay. That's where defenses start simulating pressures and they start bluffing on gaps they start showing um they start showing dbs in interior rush lanes they start tilting and slanting i still honestly don't think that we got that fixed to be real with you i saw some more confusion against the green bay game it got it was better it wasn't as pronounced but i don't feel as though that the missed assignments were as pronounced because i just don't believe green bay was good enough to exploit it the way the ravens did but they tried a lot of the same pressures that the Ravens tried, and some of those pressures were successful. So I'm going to, at the same token, I feel like we're a better team than them, but I have to stay consistent. When we first started the playoffs, and you and I, I believe you asked me this question. You asked me, uh, I believe we asked each other, what, if we don't win the Super Bowl, what would it be? What would the unit, what, what, what would be the reason why they don't win it? And the first thing I said was the offensive line. The offensive line. Well, there's there's no doubt that the offensive line will be need to be upgraded this offseason. Whether whether they win, whether they lose, the offensive line needs to be upgraded. I mean, they're trying to get by right now with Trent Williams and you the know Trinkets. and and Banks, and then the rest of the line is very questionable. But I'm you know I I, I am a believer in in uh, McKivitts, and I think he'll rally. But yeah, they're going to need some help in the offseason on the offensive line. Elite Archer says only talking point that matters is Kyle Chokes. Okay. Jacob Anthony says Trent as a fullback for a game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so if we're, we're, we're looking at our dream scenarios. All right, let's go back to Matt Bowen for a second. So he's got an article out how each team can win this weekend. And I just gave you the Lions' ways to win. Now here's how he's got the Niners' ways to win. He says, one, Throw the ball out of 21 and 12 personnel on early downs. 21 personnel is just two backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. 12 is one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. So, so what did we talk about at the beginning of this season? Did, I, did we say that at the beginning of this show? Yeah. I want 12. I want 21. This is what we need to do. Well, this is what he's saying. He says Shanahan can keep the Lions in their base defense to throw the ball on early downs. You'll see standard formations and expanded sets against Detroit's unit that has struggled to limit explosive plays. When facing 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, 
or 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends during the regular season. The Lions allowed 29 passes of 20 or more yards, sixth most in the NFL, and a completion percentage of 69.2%. So they struggled this year um, against passes, you know, big play pass ga- passing game out of 21 and 12 personnel. So I, I, I absolutely agree with Matt. I think you're going to see it. He says, so where are the matchups to exploit? He said, I would look inside with McCaffrey on option routes out of the backfield, as well as Kittle on crossers and seam routes. Uh, I think we'll see a heavier mix of cover one and cover three from Detroit uh, in these situations, but no, but we know Shanahan can scheme against a single high given his versatile group of pass catchers. He says that's going to be an interesting aspect. So that's one. And then this one's kind of interesting. He says limit the Lions run game on the perimeter. And then he points out that the Niner defense is allowing 5.4 yards per carry on rushes outside the tackles this season. That's 20th in the NFL. And we just saw Aaron Jones uh, basically burn them on schemes that hit outside the tackles. He says the Niners against the Lions are going to see a lot of outside zone and a lot of counter, and the Lions will test their edges. Um, he says, you know, he says look for Detroit to borrow from Green Bay and deploying some, some reduced sets and pin pull tosses to Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. I will say this. This has been a, 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 an absolute practice point for the Niners this week. Uh, they know on the crack toss and on the outside outside zone that they need to have better run fits and play better. Uh, they just looked at a really ugly film last week. I think they will be better. Uh, but this is also kind of one of the reasons I want to see Jair Brown on the field. He says the 49ers have to account for the Lions creating extra gaps to test the perimeter and safety support will be critical in the alleys, which is exactly the reason I want Jair Brown. I totally agree with that statement. Um, I'll say it You're again. basically giving a summary to our entire show. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Bo- see, this is what I love about Bowen, though. Bowen's real. Bowen's I absolutely him. I real. love him. He rolls that film back and forth. It's not about he's not him and all this talk. It's real football. He says the 49ers. The 49ers have to account for the Lions creating extra gaps to test the perimeter and safety support will be critical in the alleys. He says they can't get out leveraged when Detroit pins down inside and pulls. I'm curious how the Niners will deploy their defensive ends to try to set the edge. And then he goes with the X factor is Eric Armstead. He says, I would expect uh, Steve Wilkes to use his loaded fronts and three-man stunts which will create interior one-on-ones for Armstead. During the regular season, Armstead had five sacks and 20 pressures. He'll need to play a disruptive role on Sunday, getting up on the toes of Jared Goff. The Niners can't give him clean platforms to throw. I absolutely think that's the biggest key of the game. Pressure in the in the face of Jared Goff. And, Jerry, and 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 Bowen just absolutely painted the perfect picture. That's Javon why Hardy's Matt, that's why Matt Bowen's the best. By the way, I he mean is. he him and Greg Cosell, fantastic. But Matt, as a former safety, a guy who's played as an ex player, I mean he get, he he can cut through the BS and get right to the essence of the game. And um, I love it when we get down to this time of the year because he starts really focusing on the Niners. So. Um, I like it. I'm taking Niners 31 20. 
I think they're going to get pressure in Goff's face. I think Goff's going to throw them at least one turnover. I think Purdy's going to bounce back. I think Shanahan and the Niners offense can only beat themselves. And I think you'll see a much more accurate Purdy and rhythm Purdy. And I think the 49ers are going to win this game 31-20. I got the Niners winning 28-14. I think we're going to dominate on the run game if we stick to it. I think on defense, they're going to try to get us going east and west. Linebackers are going to have to have the game of their lives. We're going to have to have run fits with the safeties in order to be able to stay on top of those edges. And then right now, we're just going to need our defense, which is our highest paid, our highest paid room on the roster. We just need them to show up. That's it. Show up and do your job. That's it. Right. We don't need some type of ridiculous all world effort. They're already all world. Just go in and be yourself. That's what we need. Three more here. Hutch Serves Gaming, the mayor of Murfreesboro, has been a member of the Krug Show for 18 months. He says, happy 35,000 subs, 40,000 by the time the Niners win the Super Bowl. There you go. Hey, man, Hutch. the good guys keep winning, man. I love I, 35K, Larry. Damn, man, it's been going. Uh, Hutch Serves good, Gaming, man. 1999. He says, happy 35K. Thank you, Hutch. Mayor of Murfreesboro right there. And then Lyle Bolyard says, why the game was so close against the Packers is because Debo went down and the game plan, game plan was totally around him. This week is going to be completely different. Okay. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. All right, let's finish with the AFC game. Uh I don't want to I don't want to pay it no mind. Um Kansas City at Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Ravens are favored by 4, over under a 44 and a half. Um I will say this: there was an there was an article out earlier this week, and I don't know if you caught this one, but for th- the last three years, the NFL has produced the Super Bowl logo. Oh and my every, god! Yeah, did you see this? Yeah, and every time <laughs> the colors the colors have matched the teams that have appeared in the Super Bowl. Not last only that year, in last year was red and green, and it was the Chiefs and the Eagles. This year, it's purple and red. Meaning Hold Niners on. Ravens. But not only that, every year in the past four years, the smallest color on the on the flyer wins the Super Bowl. So this year, it's mostly all purple with a hint of red. So if we're sticking to the if we're sticking to like the the wives' tale right now, the Niners is supposed to win because for four years in a row. It's the two colors of the team that are going to be in the Super Bowl and the largest color overlay in the in the flyer. That's the team that loses. The smallest color wins. So this year it's been mostly all purple with like a red horizon in the background. So we're supposed to win, you know? Yeah, seriously. That's, that's the tinfoil hat moment of the show. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Niner Niner Banks is why, per- why Purdy is making wrong decisions on the right side. Um. I don't know. I, I couldn't give you a, a, a sure answer on that one. Why he's making mis- dis- wrong decisions on the right side of the formation. Um, I mean, we do understand he, that trying most to of his say that in the middle of the field, but are on the right side. Maybe it's he's feeling the pressure on that side. Is that what you're, is that what you're getting at there? Matthew Sanders says, we've seen the defense take care of business and tell the offense. Don't worry. We got you. I think this game's going to be the opposite. Let the offense find a way and support the D. That would be great. Mm, okay. Liam Brody says, Coach, you have an amazing vocabulary. SAT gang. Thanks, bro. That's my mom. I got I got a mother who who stayed on top of me. That's my mom. 
That's awesome. Like, yeah, you're going to have a good vocabulary. <laughs> you're going to bring your thesaurus. Yes. Isaiah, I'm disappointed in your word choice. To this day, I can still be on the phone and get kind of like loose with how I'm talking to my mom. She's like, I don't, I don't like the way you're talking to me, Isaiah. I don't, I don't like this. You know, it's so <laughs> funny because, you know, if mom or dad said they were mad, that's one thing, but nothing hurt more than I'm just disappointed. Oh, dude. I'm not mad at you, Lair. I'm just disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh. It's like they speak to the sensibilities of as of your humanity. It's like <laughs> oh, I'm just a bad person. <laughs> like, oh, I'd rather you be mad. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. Um, all right. Um, and as you can tell, I've heard that speech before. All right, mm -hmm. here we go. Chiefs Ravens. Bowen says for the Chiefs to win, he, they need to attack outside. Uh, the outside third of the field. He says the Ravens have the most fundamentally sound defense I've watched on tape this year. That unit allowed only 74 completions of 15 yards or more during the regular season, fifth fewest in the league. Um, he says that said, the Chiefs can use their staple, their staple route concepts to create opportunities outside the numbers against Baltimore's single high and split safety coverages with Travis Kelsey as the top target for Mahomes. Uh, he thinks the Chiefs can influence the cornerbacks when Baltimore spins late to play cover two. And he says, I'd like to see Kelsey breaking to a depth of 15 yards on the corner route there. Um, he said, inside the numbers, the Chiefs were 24th in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, 22nd in completion percentage. Outside the numbers, though, they were much better. 15th in yards per attempt and third in completion rate. Wow, that is big difference. I mean, um, that, that's, that's major. I mean, when you go from, you know, completion, 22nd completion percentage to third, and then he says, dial up cover zero pressure. She's during the regular season, the chiefs blitzed at a rate of 32.8% fourth highest in the league. And mm -hmm. they played cover zero, you know, basically blitz with no help on 42 snaps, the most of any team in the NFL. It says it's a foundational piece of Spagnolo's defense. It can give the chiefs an edge against Lamar and the Ravens offense. And the goal here is to force Baltimore to define its routes qu quicker against pressure and limit Jackson's ability to find open rush lanes on scramble scramble attempts. And then he says the X factor for Kansas City's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, and then the Ravens, he says the Ravens need to scheme against the Chiefs' defensive tendencies in the red zone um, and get home on simulated pressures and that their X factor is Justice Hill. Mm -hmm. I like Kansas City. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I like Kansas City to win the game. Here's why. I don't think if Lamar doesn't run, if Lamar doesn't run, Lamar ran for 100 yards last week. Okay. If he doesn't run, I don't think that Gus Edwards and Justice Hill can give Baltimore enough of a run game. I also like Kansas City more with a lead. And I give Kansas City a major, major chance to play from behind. So, and I don't think that Kansas City is going to wet their pants uh, because of Baltimore's crowd or the surroundings. This is a championship team. They've got multiple Super Bowls. Reed's mm -hmm. not going to be scared. They've played in big games. Mahomes and Kelsey aren't going to be scared. They've played in big games. Baltimore scares teams. They get up on you. They And I just think that... Any team that has Nick Bolton 
at linebacker is not giving up 100 yards rushing to Lamar Jackson. So I like Kansas City, man. Uh, Kansas City is going gonna, is gonna to go into Baltimore, and I think they're going to get that win. I'm probably going to wind up teasing it. I'll probably wind up teasing both uh, Kansas City getting, let's say, 11 and a half, and the Niners basically at a pick them. That's probably how I'm going to bet tomorrow. Uh, but I like Kansas City. I like Kansas City. Now, I don't love them as much. Um, I mean, I love them a lot more on the tees getting 11 and a half than I do. I don't see Kansas City being blown out. I think Mahomes is going to be there at the end somehow, some way. But uh, I could see Baltimore winning a close game. But I, I'll take Kansas City and all those points if on the teaser. Where where are you on Chiefs-Ravens? Who do you think is going to win? I got the Ravens. Uh, I think the Chiefs chose to look the best they had all year last week. Um, that's the best their offense has looked as far as just consistency is concerned. No drop passes, no wrong routes, no processing errors. I mean, I, I mean, honestly speaking, they've been kind of a circus all year offensively where um, things just haven't been together. They've been disjointed. And against Buffalo, they chose to finally put it all together um, against a team that was completely decimated. Buffalo didn't have anybody in that game. Uh, they had over six starters out, particularly on defense. I don't see that happening against the Ravens. I just don't. That defense with the Chiefs has actually been what's been carrying them all year because they're be that, they're the that defense is the best, in my opinion, that has been in a long time in Kansas City, and that's why they're here, to be honest. Um, I don't necessarily believe in their defense. I think Isaiah Pacheco is an amazing running back, fine running game. It just ain't going to happen against Baltimore. Um, I think that the Chiefs, they do have a good defense, but for what they lack in defense, the Ravens have seen already in the number two off I mean, in the number two defense against rushing in the Texans, and they were more than um, capable of imposing their will on the ground. There is no world where Lamar Jackson doesn't run on the ground, so you can forget about that. But I will tell you that I just don't think the Chiefs are going to have enough to be able to get it later in the game and go tit for tat with the Ravens because I do believe that the Ravens' defense is something that the Chiefs haven't seen in quite a while. Well, you could be right. A lot of people agree with you, of course, on this one. And Alien D. Jin says, bringing coaches energy to the game and going to scream our guts out. Scream your guts out, dog. Yo, I can't. <laughs> Yo, you know, Jesse's at the game, too. I know he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be carrying the flag. I believe. Yeah. Hey, does the fan knows? Do the fans know that? Do, do the supporters? Yo, you guys know that Jesse is gonna be at the game and he's gonna be waving the flag like he's gonna be one of the participants to wave the flag on the field during the game. It's kind of a dope moment. It's kind of it dope. is very cool. Very cool. Yeah, cool. Um, that's gonna do it for us. What do you got cooking the rest of the weekend? Uh, what do you got cooking the rest of the day? I'm off to a uh, baseball youth baseball catcher's clinic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know that I need it, but whatever, I'll, I'll be there for <laughs> it. Um, that's what I'm doing this afternoon. I'll put out a couple videos tonight. Uh, well, I'll be doing pregame tomorrow at one o'clock at the Santa Clara Hilton, one to three with the great Low Neal. A future Hall of Fame fullback, and then I'll have my post game with all the boys. Uh, and coach, you're always invited on that uh, to yeah. uh, to join us after after the game. But what do you got cooking tomorrow or today and tomorrow? Well, me and Tom are going to do the pregame show. So me and Tom Jensen are going to do the pregame show together. I got post game with Vish. 
I might take you up on your popping to see how long me and Vish go. Last time me and Vish probably went for like maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I didn't know we were going to go that short. I could have popped in. But if we do that again, shoot that link over. I will hop in. I absolutely uh, love it. Yeah, so we're going to do that. And then afterwards, uh, I'm going to do the post game with Vish. And uh, hey, man, I, I kind of like the fact that there's not a lot of football being played right now. We're going to be able to just watch our guys tomorrow with like a captive audience. I'm excited, man. Oh, I'm this fired is it. up. I'm fired up. Um, I can't wait till tomorrow, but, um, youth baseball calls me today. So there you go. <laughs> Matthew Sanderson, KC led the league in drops. They are, they are flimsy. You just watch. Yeah. I don't believe I, I, I Kansas city has kind of been like living off their old newspaper clippings. Like, I, I don't think, I think they're going to go into Baltimore and, and see a real team. Yeah. No, I think you're, you know, you could be right. I just can't go against Mahomes. I can't go against Mahomes. That's true. Yeah, Mahomes has been good. Uh, that does it for us. Thanks to New York-style Italian sausage, I should say, who's not going to be our sponsor going forward, but I do want to throw them one more bit of love. Uh, oh. Also, Marin Auto Glass, 415-883-3030. Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue <clears throat> of all in all of Northern California. Check them out in Corte Madera and Emeryville and Underdog fantasy check that link in the description use the promo code crew and they will match you underdog will match you up to your first 100 and that does it for us have a great saturday coach have a phenomenal saturday go niners i hope everybody's feeling good um gotta think good thoughts man one win away from a trip to vegas and i will be in las vegas uh, with all of the uh, pomp and circumstance with Kev next week um, if the Niners get this done on Sunday. So I want to go to Vegas. I want to go to Vegas. Take me to Vegas. Seriously, seriously. We need Vegas. We need Vegas. Vegas in February is nice. Uh, I've been hearing. Uh, for Coach, I'm Larry. Have a great Saturday, everybody. Peace. Yeah. Never met a man I've been scared of Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for Careful, 